Alrighty then, so I didn't think of an intro. I should have done that while I was watching Captain Marvel just an hour ago. So, let's just do this. Welcome to the Master Movie Podcast, everybody, as I play the intro. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. We're already in the future. If you ask Indeed me. we are. So. Get uh, out there. That's the movie podcast. Alex and Zach, as always, usually. Because I suck for myself. Hello. Welcome to the Maestro Movie Podcast. The future brings what the future events have always future told. You have to say my friend like 15 times. Well, my friend, I was getting to that, my friends. <laughs> I just want to point out, I'm back. I Zach is alive. Job. I had a job. I I have a new job. No, we thought, I just said you were dead last week. I said you were dead. He escaped the, uh, saw, the saw death trap that I created for him. He escaped. Uh, and, um, I got through it, man. I'm, I'm missing a few limbs, but I'm through it. Heck, I, I, I laid a rancor right underneath his uh, doormat. I could have sworn he would have gone through it, but... Seriously, guys, we should be telling you the entire story of how Zach got out of both of these predicaments, but we are way, way more interested in talking about film. Yeah. Yeah! <laughs> don't ask questions you don't want to know the answer to. Um... Yeah, let's just say some really not okay things happened. Yeah. What stuff? <laughs> With the rancor. Yeah. Okay, so, um... God, Plan and 9. From, plan 9 from outer freaking space. Yes! Oh, fuck God. Um, the wheel is cruel. <laughs> I swear to God. Um... Oh, it's not cruel. Okay, this movie, Chris, is like the first actual bad movie I studied in college... And this movie is like hilarious. It is, it is a like it's almost like a visual textbook on how how if you really 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 want something, it will happen whether someone wants you to have it happen or not. <clears throat> uh, so Chris, let me ask you this: um, uh, How did you feel about it when you were done? No. Like, well, actually, yeah, what, what, what did you think about the movie in general? How was the experience? Not going to lie, I saw it Friday morning and I fell right back to sleep. <laughs> I fell asleep. How far did you did you ever finish it? I did. I was ha- I woke up and I was halfway through it. And I'm like, oh, I have to go through all that again. So I rewound back to where I left off. And I finished the whole movie. It was not ideal. The maestro does not abide. I- Uh, <laughs> not ideal. Um, so in terms of being a bad movie, what would you rank this in terms of like, let's say a Transformers movie, like the worst Transformers movie. Actually, let me put it this way. How would you rank this movie versus either Food Fight or uh, the second Transformers movie? Or The Room. No, no, no. I'm talking about The Room. This is a perfect example of, this is the first room. Like, Plan 9 from Outer Space is the first room. The room is just the exact same thing as Plan 9. Like, both of them are directors that wanted something to happen, they willed it, it happened, and then people saw the passion in the work no matter how bad it was. They're the exact same thing, but, like, there are different varying 
um, ideas, like Miami Connection is the same thing. Miami Connection was willed into existence by the people who made it, and it just sort of like made it by people who understood that these passionate idiots loved what they were doing despite the fact that they weren't good at it. But like Transformers 2 is a big budget like studio picture that also happens to be, in my opinion, on the same level bad kind of as this. And then you have like Food Fight, which is the ex- the same thing as well, except half of its material was stolen halfway through production, and they just sort of pooped out what was left. There are also some extremely insane ideas in Food Fight, ideas that no one would ever want to see on film. I guess by sheer passion alone, this is better than either of those. If we're really? if we're gauging, I mean, like, the guy really wanted it made. Apparently, this was a passion project, and he was really trying to the best of his ability. But like, again, he wasn't very good at what he was doing, and didn't really realize that, even though multiple people told him, and just bleh. But hang on, hold on, hold on, hold on. We're breaking. We're we're breaking the order. There is a natural order to things. We need to talk news before we get into this. All right. James Gunn got rehired. That is true. First off, before we get to the bigger news, before no, before we get before we get to that, Zach, the two things you told me before we started recording about Captain Marvel. Go. Cthulhu Kitty! It's Hentai Kitty. You're wrong. No, it's Cthulhu and that Kitty. is a spoiler, Alex. Do not listen to him. He is spoiling Cthulhu the movie. Cthulhu Kitty! Hentai. <laughs> well, I knew something was up with that kitty, but now I know that tentacles are involved. Cthulhu Kitty. Hentai. Come on, what? I like tentacles. Well, who don't like a good tentacle? Who ain't, who ain't just woken up one day and been like, you know what I need? In my belly, and when I say wear my blue jeans and my wife beat it, and my wife's over there, I need my shirt. I need a freaking tentacle right now. Give me tentacles. Alright. All I know is Goose is the best part about that movie. Not even a question. Oh, come on. We all know that Goose is something special. He hasn't ruined anything. So is that. Yeah, So is that your review, Zach? Can we move on? Yes, the kitty is 100% the best part of that movie. Is that is that your review? Is that it? That is my review. Okay, then we're moving on. Avengers Endgame! Yeah, we got a new trailer. Got a new trailer. Brie Larson's in it. Whatever it takes. Sure. Whatever Still it haven't takes. seen more than 20 minutes of the movie, so it's fine. They're not going to show us anything more nope. than 20 minutes of the movie. Yeah. I so- am all freaking in. So that so that trailer really that trailer hyped you up then. Yes, that I am, watched that and it made you more excited. I am until the episode nine trailer comes out. I'm one hundred percent on to Endgame. It's on. It's for. It's it's straight Chris, ahead to Endgame. Are you still on board knowing that Endgame might be might distinctly be over three hours long? Yes. Okay. It, it is that a bad thing to you, Zach? No, it's not. 
But actually, I had a very funny conversation with my mom the other day about this, actually. So we, uh, I'll tell you this story. So we went over to my grandmother's house. God bless her soul. She's 96 years old. Uh, we ended up, uh, well, we were at her retirement home, and they were playing A Star is Born. That's great. You know, solid movie. Got to see that for like the third time now. Uh, <laughs> oh, and, uh, that's okay. Go on, go on. Uh, my mom didn't realize that it was like almost a two and a half hour movie. Um, so we got <laughs> out of it and she's like, Poof, I'm pooped. And like this, that movie is really long and I didn't expect it to be that long. I'm like, mom, this is like very normal for most movies. Most movies are about two hours, 15 minutes to about two and a half hours now. And she's like, why? That's like not how it was. When I was kind of like, mom, does it shock you to know that like very soon there is going to be like one of the biggest movies of the year is going to be over three hours long. Two of like, them. How could, how could anyone sit through that? And I said, Mom, people sat through three and a half, almost three hours for three Lord of the Rings movies that won 12 Academy Awards each. And Alex, <laughs> hold on. Alex, you brought this up at some point. Like, you mentioned, I think you were reprimanding me for something. Like, people are willing to sit through, like, double-digit hours of watching a television show on their couch, but they can't sit in a movie for three hours. Yes. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to say. It's like, it's a better argument if you look at like a film at home more than anything else. There's a reason, there's a reason that they had intermissions in films this long for like Lawrence of Arabia and Dr. Zhivago and stuff like that. It's because it it needs like a a bit to like step out and stretch and get some food and go to the bathroom and stuff. Get back and hold on. Let him speak. Let him speak. To to like go in and be like be invested in stuff. But here's the thing: like when movies first came out, like big blockbusters came out. They were like two, three hours long. They were like the length of operas. They were the length of plays. Plays themselves are two, three hours long. And then in the six, in the fifties and the sixties, it happened again. Movies started getting like huge, epic length wise, and it's because they had the money. Studios had the money. They were the studio system. Nowadays, it's happening um, more and more just because they really just want to. They don't. They don't really see the point in putting out an hour and a half long big budget studio movie people are just going to forget about it you can't you can't put your money in that and make the spectacle work and have character work you gotta have to if you want spectacle with story you have to have the time to do it do i think that people are going to sit in a chair for three hours and watch a movie if they're invested absolutely especially if they're having a good time they won't care do i think that you have to have periods in the movie where people don't mind getting up and going to the bathroom and stuff yeah people have to pick and choose when that moment happens but like Movies are like plays and theater and stuff like that. They are like operas. Like, if you want to go see something, you took the time to go see it. If someone's just going to see an Avengers movie and it's three hours long, they're like, God damn, this is three hours long. Like, that's your fault. That is your fault. That's what movies are now. In terms of your argument, Chris, it's more like at home. Like, why do people spend 10 hours watching uh, the same television show all day, especially something like CSI, where it's the same procedural story all day, but then a movie comes on and it's like three hours, but it's mostly, that argument is best used when a movie is slow. When something is slow, that's when I like to use that argument. Like, you're going to say the same thing over and And, over again, but if something's slow, you freak out. And actually, I I told my mom, I said, Mom, you grew up in an era where Ben-Hur was one of the best movies ever made, and I know you went to see, because she told me she went and saw Ben-Hur, and she's like, yeah, but that's different. I'm like, no, it's not different. Ben-Hur is, Ben-Hur was, was, 
the Avengers Endgame of the 1950s, the 1960s. Like, that's what it was. And technically, Endgame is actually the second half of a story. So, really, you're getting, like, a six-hour-long story. Yeah, which is, like, more in line of, like, Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah, Lawrence of Arabia is technically two movies put together in one film, but it's also, like... It's a classic. It, it's not just beautiful looking and, and like well done and everything. Like really, when you like, if you're sick and you sit down and you watch Lawrence of Arabia, you get why it works. Yep. So I and I straight up told her. I said, "Mom, you're you when you were a child, you went and saw movies like Lawrence of Arabia and Ben Hur, and you watched these movies all the time and you enjoyed them." And she's like, "Yeah." Anyways, she 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 understood, but she didn't understand that like. This is kind of a second coming of major long movies that are going to have big, epic, sweeping stories. And the funny thing is, like, a standard movie, like, a good, normal, like, a a stretch or a collateral or a kiss, kiss, bang, bang, that should just be around, like, an hour and a half, hour 45. Doesn't need to be much more than that. That's just, like, a quick, simple story driven by plot. But if, like, you want, like, a good drama or a good, like, full-fleshed-out movie... Uh, I would say something I like to use the comparison of Jurassic Park and, and Schindler's List a lot mostly because yeah. they were made by the same guy but they're also like Schindler's List is a little bit over two hours but it's yeah. mostly a two hour movie and Jurassic Park also two hours one's a popcorn one's a drama you want to tell a big story with character and spectacle Your two hours should be enough and a lot of movies are two hours long a lot of movies in the HBO generation or uh, movies on television were formed to be two hours long with commercial. So, like, yes. people are used to two-hour-long movies. But yes. uh, I, I, this is an epic. And Endgame, for sure, is an epic. So people are going in to watch an epic the same way they're going in to see an opera or a play. It's a three-hour-long experience. You should go to the bathroom. You should eat beforehand. You should take what you need. Keep in mind, like, people like me are going to keep in mind what the best scene to go to the bathroom in is. Or if people are going to see this movie over again, they don't mind missing a scene to go, like, to get to the end. But, like... This movie is made for people who like movies. And if you bring your kid in, it's three hours long, and it's like, you should have seen that coming. Like, wait, wait till the movie's in its last legs, and then bring your kid. Yeah, and, and like, you know, and the classification of epic films are films like How the West Was Won, East of Eden, Gone at the Wind, Ben-Hur, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lawrence of Arabia, uh, and a lot of this, like, is kind of how it is. And even Angier, The Wrath of God, is a weird movie. It's not a long movie, but technically it's an epic movie. It's not a good epic movie, but it's... Okay. It's, it's epic in scale, and I say, and I think thematics, but it's not necessarily epic in length, but like, no, for example. But, it's like yeah, a, the epic like, movies in length are like our... Return of the Kings, our Ben Hur's, our like the length matches the scale of the film. Yes, yes. I, I there are a lot of small movies that I watch and I'm like, oh my god, that was like an epic looking experience and stuff like that. Like, I, I get what you're saying, but like at, at the end of the day, I, I I agree, but it's 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 about ebbs and flows. But if someone's gonna sit there and say like, I'm gonna go see a movie and it was three hours long and that pissed me off, like you should have known you were going to see a three hour movie. But yeah. if someone's like going to sit there and be like, if I'm going to go home and I'm not going to watch a three-hour-long movie, I'm going to watch four hours instead of CSI, well, don't give me an argument about movies being too long to watch at home. Yes, and in fairness to my mom, she doesn't watch a lot of TV anymore. She She's made the decision to cut back from television completely, 
And she was lucky because the last TV show she binged was This Is Us, and that's a very good movie, a very good series. I mean, uh, oh I think it, if I could see... I don't know. It's a hard argument. I love movies, but I also feel like a lot of the best stuff is being done on television, too. I agree. I was talking to a friend today, and they were talking about how they think The Orville is one of their favorite new shows on the market, and I think The Orville is great. Back to Willow. I'm sorry, guys. Gotta go back to Willow. I'm sorry. We're off the rails. Anyways, so moving away from from this and back on to what we were doing. Endgame. Do we want to talk theories or do we uh, not? Because I'm probably not in the mood. There's 20 minutes that we're ever going to see. There's no point in making a theory about the first 20 minutes of the movie. Okay. I mean, you can't. There's still there's still a good question of like, how does Tony Stark get to them later? And of course, Tony Stark and Nebula are like at the end of the trailer. They're there. Yeah. Um, where what has like you guys? I don't. You guys have both seen the movie. So you guys have a better idea of what Captain Marvel's maybe been doing between them? I haven't yet, so that's still a question. The movie really defines what she's been up to and what's going on. Just in case. That is not spoilers. Just in case. Say anything. Just in case. I just just don't find what she's going to be doing between it. That doesn't spoil anything. I was anticipating you actually spoiling it. That's why I said spoilers. It spoils one simple question, which is, does the film answer that question? And yes, the film answers that question. Which yes. is that, at the same time, I figured it would. Yes. At the same time, as long, um, that's a question for me. But at the same time, in that first 20 minutes, I think the biggest question is, how does Tony Stark join him? Uh, and then, yeah. the more the more you see in that trailer, the more it kind of becomes clear there's like probably time travel and time jumps and stuff like that involved. Maybe parallel universes and, and junk. Who but knows? All I, all I know oh. is that people are already making theories. I, I've read some. I, I'm i not going to say if I believe them or not based on what I know about what was shot at the film, what people reported was shot. Uh, but I know that Kevin Feige said we will only ever see the first 30 minutes of this movie. I trust them. I don't trust Disney anymore after what I've read about the thing we're going to talk about next. But... You know, I, I trust that Kevin Feige is probably correct in stating that they're not going to spoil much of this movie in the trailers. And that would that would make a lot of sense marketing-wise for them to do that. Uh, yeah, considering that basically what we're talking about is maybe 15% of what this trailer was, and the bulk of it was just stuff we've already seen from other movies. Yes. Um, and I... So yeah, I honestly, Chris, I kind of want to talk about what's next because I actually have a lot more information I'd like to talk about about that. that James Gunn is back. So yes, as Chris said, James Gunn's back, but there's some new information we also found out about. Um, yes. So to quickly rehash the story, James Gunn made some really shitty tweets. He is, I I would not necessarily say that. You know, he was in the right to make those tweets, and whether it was correct or not, that is not the point anymore. What I will say, though, is I found out that um, the reason why James Gunn was fired originally was because of Alan Horner, directly. Horn. And it wasn't Bob Iger who called for his firing. From what I heard, Bob Iger was out of town at the time and when, James, when Alan Horner called for James Gunn's firing and did it. And I, from what I understand and what I've read, 
immediately upon returning from being out of town, Bob Iger went to Horner and said, you made a horrible mistake. It's and this just is bad. Horn. And what? It's just Horn. Alan Horn. Whatever. I don't care who the... F- I don't... I don't care. Anyway! And the point is, is Bob Iger told him he made a horrible mistake, and right around that time is when they started having that quote-unquote meeting, and they came to a consensus during that meeting where they were going to rehire James Gunn, and that they weren't going to talk about it publicly for a long time. And the reason why they had those meetings was because James Gunn went to Warner Brothers and got his job at Suicide Squad. That is actually the reason why I heard they rehired him was because of Suicide Squad. And uh, from what I also understand, uh, Bob Iger actually likes James Gunn a lot. And Kevin Feige saying, I stand with Disney, was kind of the company man saying the company thing to keep his job protected. Which makes so, sense. considering that this was mainly the decision of one person who's kind of overseeing the company at the time and not necessarily Bob Iger, makes a little bit of sense that it was maybe somebody coming in and swinging in and making a decision without telling Iger. That makes sense for the sheer fact that when... This came out, they said that they were going to give Gunn all the time in the world to make Suicide Squad, and then he could come back to Guardians, which tells me that Iger's like, look, man, like we we do apologize for how this worked, if that's how it went. But it does seem to me like I, if, if, this, if this information is true and more information is going to come out, and it does sound more likely that one person made the decision without the person who, without the smarter person in the room being there. Yeah. Uh, it, it seems like that's the path it's going because honestly, it just it was the dumbest decision, and yep. it does it does seem interesting to me that Disney is like because he went to Warner Brothers they were going to get him back. Honestly, I think they should have been thinking about grabbing him back the moment this decision was made, but yep. they didn't want to do it right away. They wanted to take some time and save face and feel like they listened yep. to the audience when really it was just a big mistake that shouldn't have happened, and now they have to like everyone has to like suck in their pride. Yes, and and that's kind of the thing. Is like Alan Horn is a he is a card holding Republican. He obviously did not like that James Gunn was bashing the Republican Party very hard, and he looked for every excuse in the book to get rid of him. And <laughs> the Republicans handed it to him on a silver platter. Kind of. Let's kinda. not get and political. Let's not drive I'm, on I'm this. Not, I'm, dude. I'm. I'm the, the problem is, Chris, we have to get political because political is what caused this in the first place. Yes. It's uh, not like, it's just not don't like go too gun. deep. Just don't go too deep. Go ahead. We're not going to go too deep. That's the end of it. Is Republicans here's the thing. We're not, here's the thing. Just, just report the story. Just say... Just... Chris, Chris, listen to me. We're not talking about politics. We're talking about political extremists. We're not talking about actual good examples of the Republican Party. We're talking about people who use beliefs in the Republican system to continue to attack people. Like, the people who did this aren't really good examples of the Republican people or the Republican Party. They're extremists, and they went too far. That's the point. And Alan Horn had an overreaction to this because he already didn't like Gunn to begin with, and he was looking for an excuse to get rid of him, and he was handed it. And that that's... The truth of the matter. When a boss doesn't like someone, they're going to look for every out they can get. And He already had that excuse. Don't hire him. The stuff was already out when the first movie came out. So why just say that? Exactly. Why even hire him in the first exactly. freaking place? 
Exactly. It was a stupid decision made by an extreme Republican. Yes. It was and, an extreme decision. Yes, and I'm sure that Alan Horn is... I wouldn't be surprised if Alan Horn probably isn't going to be around Disney much longer making very distinct decisions with them anymore because of this decision. <laughs> yeah, he may resign with a good package coming soon. I, I would not be surprised, and even to an extent, I would all almost take a, a, an extent and say Alan Horn might stay on with the company, but he probably will be a figurehead for a long time, and, Al, and Bob Iger will probably be making a lot of the actual real decisions for a long while. We'll get Ike Perlmuttered. Um, because it seems to me that Bob Iger is making very calm, rational decisions, and he really wants to work with Kevin Feige and who he can get. And Disney's already lost a lot of great directors to differing issues. And a big example is, you know, uh, the director of Selma and the direct and Edgar Wright. They lost because of disagreements, and they almost lost their golden goose. And that's scary to them. That's really scary. James, yeah, they have a, they have a got great golden goose. He's the goose that laid the golden egg. Like he, it. And they almost lost that, and they actually did lose it for a little bit until they realized the mistake they made. And now they're saving face and kind of swallowing pride and saying, we made a mistake, and now we have to rectify it. I think Disney has, a, like, it's about the relationships they form with people. The relationship they form with Whedon was good, although Whedon had, Whedon's stuff has some problems. But, like, they wore Whedon down. Whedon had an idea of what he wanted to do, and, like, the studio pushed an idea on him that just sort of wore him down. Uh, I'm glad he's not around. I like what the Russos are doing, but like they formed a relationship with the Russos, and the Russos are now the overheads of everything. Um, same thing with James Gunn. James Gunn did produce something that was amazing, but he also has a great relationship with them. Like He he works with them because he thinks he can. Same thing with uh, uh, their, their one person that they probably have to fight a little bit more to keep would be Ryan Coogler, but they still have a relationship with Ryan Coogler. The, the, other... Watiti, the next one, like Taika Waititi's like, he changed Thor, he changed the game for them, so they want to keep him around. The other half that I heard is that Alan Horner actually talked with multiple directors, including Taika Waititi, to take over Gunn, and Taika Waititi stood ground and said, I will not touch Gunn's project. Yeah, it's, it's smart. I like smart call on everyone's part. The one person who seemed to be doing making the dumbest decision was him. Yep. So, you know, it... it it really shows when stuff's like this coming. The point and the fact is, is that James Gunn's back. I would be shocked to learn if he stuck around the MCU after Guardians Three. I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're going to let him go after that. They're they're going to bring him on for the one movie and be done, uh, just to save face. And if they want to say, you know what, we still don't appreciate the the your your old Twitter stuff. I know you didn't. You mean well now. But we gotta, we gotta think about us. There's no harm in that, then. I would be interested to see if they made more. To be honest, I think they're gonna make more Thor with Taika Waititi, so I think we'll get more Thor. But um, whether we'll get more James Gunn Guardians of the Galaxy is interested is interesting because I never thought he would stick around in the first place. I thought he would make once he made the second one. I figured he'd make a trilogy of films and then maybe. Handed off to other people with other guardians coming in because guardians I, is very open. And I think that was the original plan, and I think they're going to stick to that plan. But I think the difference is James Gunn was planning to have a producing role, a role as a producer after the fact with that, 
and I don't think that's going to happen now. I think the difference is they're going to move to Taika Waititi kind of leading that that kind of overarching producer role, kind of making the the cosmic universe a lot more comedic, a lot more funny, and that's fine, and all the power to them, and I think James Gunn's going to take a step away from this and start doing other things. I, I, I think this is the end of... I think Guardians 3 will be the last thing James Gunn ever does for Disney. I, I really do. I don't know if it would be the last thing he ever does for Disney. I could see him maybe doing something Star Wars-wise or maybe with another property they do with, but like... I think this. I think he wants to finish what he started. Yes. And they'll let him finish that, and then based off of that, we'll see where he goes. Because either he'll keep going with Suicide Squad, and they'll just let him do that, just so he. Because it, it seems like something like this is a lot of work. He didn't do anything else when he was doing uh, Guardians. He was focusing all his attention on that, and I, I'm assuming they're just going to let him finish his Guardians thing, and then let him focus his attention on either them or Suicide Squad, but give him the opportunity to choose. But his whatever production, whatever goes on during the production of this next Guardians film, will dictate how, um, what his future will be with either one of those companies. Yes, and I'm 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 kind of thinking that Guardians three will have all the love that it, it that the first two had, but I I don't think the passion will be there. I think he's coming back just to kind of finish it and not really make something out of it, you know. Depends because because they said they would let him do Suicide Squad first, so he may do Suicide Squad. He may either enjoy or hate that experience, and he may he may do Suicide Squad and then have a whole new like big sort of like drive to make films again. And maybe maybe making Suicide Squad tells him like I love the experience at Warner Brothers. I'm coming back to Warner Brothers. I'm gonna go back to Disney with my head held high, with all these people that miss me, and I'm gonna make this room and I'm gonna end it right, and we're all gonna leave properly because it's not just about him it's about all the other people that worked with him that he brought there it's about all the people who are willing to leave it's about Dave Batista. it's about I think James Gunn is the kind of guy who wants to walk into this situation and get rid of the bad blood and end it properly and like I think that's what's on his mind more than anything he doesn't seem like a spiteful person and he hasn't acted spiteful to this entire situation he just quietly went to Warner Brothers yeah I who knows? I mean, I, again, we'll, we'll see what happens. I think we're, no matter what, we're in for a treat. I think James Gunn's uh, Suicide Squad is going to be really fun. I think Guardians 3 will, again, also be very, very fun. But, you know, who knows what happens? I think there's a lot to be said about this. And, there, and you know, I think that I was talking to a friend of mine who was very against Gunn. She did not like some of the things that he said, and she was very offended by some of the things she said. But she did say, you know what, as an artist, he does deserve to have his words heard and not just be fired because of his opinions on the internet. I would say, I I think you can walk away from this experience and say that you did not appreciate what he said. And um, regardless of whether you believe his apology or not, if those words were to affect a job that he got, he has to deal with the consequence of that because those are his words and they will always be around. But at the same time, uh, that is not what this was. This was literally people who didn't agree with his same political beliefs as him found a weapon to use against him and then used it. And that's it. Like They used it for political um, assassination. So this wasn't people who legitimately felt like what he said hurt them. And, and certainly not 10 years after the fact could an impact like that really truly be felt by a stranger. Honestly, 
this was a political assassination. So I do think that people could walk away and say, if I didn't want to hire a gun for stuff like that, even today, and I didn't want, and I wanted to make that choice, and he would have to deal with the consequence of that, absolutely. Like, he has to respect my decision to not want to hire him after writing that. However, if you are doing it for other reasons than what you're saying, then yeah. there's no... There's no moral stand. There's no moral stand here. He should not have been fired. One hundred and ten percent. Yes, and yeah. So that's kind of that. This is a very complex issue that has a lot of depth to it, and it's kind of come full circle finally. But it really, it's it's hilarious for Republicans because now they're getting. Not only does he get to stay with Disney and make his Guardians movie, he gets to make another superhero movie that everyone gets to see. So. It truly backfired against them. Yeah, jokes on them, basically. Like hundred and ten percent. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's that. That's the end of it. I'm hoping that he walks in and he's like, guys, let's just make a really great movie. He's glad to be back. No bad blood. And uh, I hope he has a good experience making Suicide Squad too. I hope he doesn't walk in feeling the pressure of the studio going, please, you know, fix things. I'm hoping the studio right now is going. You know what? We're just going to, you know, give our properties to interesting filmmakers and the best films we'll take out of the batch and make something out of it. Because that's exactly what Marvel did at the beginning. That's why nobody really talks about The Incredible Hulk that much. Or we could make the, the tr character transfer and remake Bruce Banner and The Avengers. It was still malleable. It was still clay. So if you treat it like that, rather than saying this is the block of clay we're working with, this is the statue that we have, then it's better. And they understand that now. They're like, they're just going to make some movies allow it to happen, and then allow things to happen organically with the properties they have. It's very interesting, though, because Patty Jenkins just came out, and she's like, the new Wonder Woman is not a sequel to the old one. It's a new iteration, and people are like, same cast, same directors, same writers, same stars. Like, like no, that is, you're making a sequel. Yeah. But they want to treat it like something new, and that's fine. Treating it like something new is fine, but telling the audience that it's not a sequel? No. It's, it's, it's a sequel. It's got, Chris, it's got Chris Pine, it's got Wonder Woman, it's got, uh, or Gal Gadot, Gadot. it has um, Robin Wright. Like, yeah. it's the same cast. It'll be interesting to see, though, how, going forward, what they're going to be doing with this. Uh, and, uh, you know, real quick to talk about this, early reviews of Shazam are out, and people love it. I, yeah, I don't see that movie being at the very least that bad. It looks good. It looks really fun. A lot of people say that Zachary Levi is amazing in it, and a lot of people are saying that it's probably going to beat out Captain Marvel for money. No, nope. I think it probably nope. will because I. Well, here's the thing: Do I think that it could sleep? Could it be a sleeper hit that makes more money than Marvel eventually? Yeah, probably. I do think so, because A, it's a male superhero, and B, if it's good and people like it and they go see it, then they're going to have a good time and they'll tell other people about it. That's just how good movies go. And also, he does have a fan base. But he's a male superhero. Never doubt the fact that a male superhero may always be the reason that people want to go see it over a female superhero. And also, there are people that are kind of iffy on Captain Marvel. Like There are people that I trust or iffy on Captain Marvel, not just trolls that are saying stuff, but also Captain Marvel has made a lot of money, so Chris, you do have a good point. Like Captain Marvel's broken a few barriers. Like It's it's made a, a butt ton of money. But at the end of the day, I love Zachary Levi. I want this to make a ton of money. I want DC to do well when the movies are good. So I, he's a star. I've always thought he was a star, and I'm very glad that people are walking out of this saying that he's great. 
Yeah. And a lot of people have already project have projections for Shazam's opening. I believe uh, the the uh, box office tracking is uh, pre-orders is fifty million, which is a third of Captain Marvel's opening, and that's on pre-orders. So I think I think if this ever makes anything near Captain Marvel. Uh, in theaters, not just like I think it'll do well in rentals, especially if it's good. Uh, it it worth about if it's a good movie and people like it, they'll tell other people to go see it. Politics yep. aside, trolls aside, all that stuff aside, comic book fans aside, uh, if it's a good movie, people will tell people to go see it. Yes, and you know, I a lot of the stuff I've seen of this of Captain Marvel or I shouldn't say Captain Marvel Shazam have been really fun, like. Again, I like Zachary Levi myself, and and I think, like Alex said, he's a star that's hasn't quite gotten his chance yet, and this is his chance. Yeah, I th- I'm glad. And the movie seems really solid. It seems very funny. Uh, the new trailer was very funny and ironic in terms of what what uh, is going on with it, and they're making fun of everything about about DC, like, this movie's pulling no punches against it, and I love that, um, (laughs) and it, it's very funny, like, when you see a shot of basically a 14-year-old kid jumping into a building, destroys part of he's like, I'm sorry! It's hilarious, it's, it's very funny, it, it's ironic, it plays a lot of fun, they're, you know, they made a they made fun of Jason Momoa. Like you can't get behind that and not think this is great. Like, can you talk to fish? Why would I want to talk to fish? Well, you can talk to every sea animal. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> no, it looks good. It's great. It, it looks great. I and and the, I, the the other really fun thing is it's playing the story of. What happens when these comic book characters that you already idolize are real and you get to actually idolize real things? And what comes with the internet in the internet age of that is people are going to salvage shit and sell it on the internet. Like, that's that's how it is. Well, it seems to me like that that, that aspect of Shazam understands one of the great aspects of the differences between Marvel and DC, which is Marvel is about humans who become gods and DC is about gods who become human. So having these kids like look up to Batman and Wonder Woman and Aquaman and all these people and just be like, these guys are amazing, they're my heroes. You're seeing that God aspect. So that when you get to the point where they meet them or you see the personal stories of those heroes and how they get humanized, it works. That that DC understanding it perfectly from the perspective they should. Here's a kid, he loves these heroes, he sees them as like heroes. And that's what they are. And and that's where I think Shazam's going to finally be DC's, you know... I, I, I don't say that because Aquaman and Wonder Woman were both functional hits, but I think Shazam's going to be the first time where it really feels like a truly DC movie. This is kind of like our, you know, kind of like our Thor a little bit. You know, in during the MCU when we saw Thor, that was the first time we really got to experience the fact that this is Marvel. This our characters are people becoming gods, literally. I do, I do think that's a very interesting point, yeah. And Shazam, to me, kind of finally feels like this film where we've, we've built our story up now. You know, we know the story of the Justice League and all this, and we, we get to just kind of slam a kid right in the middle of this 
and be like, I've experienced Batman and Superman fighting in Gotham and Metropolis. I've seen the world nearly end because of an alien invasion. I've seen the world nearly end because Atlanteans had a humongous war. And now, you know, it's this kid who's idolized these people this whole time. And there's an internet age built around the fact that these people are real. You finally kind of, they finally kind of just get it. And it's really cool when you get to see, like, Billy Batson's brother have one of Batman's batarangs as his prized possession. Or a bullet that bounced off Superman, you know? And he's sell, trying to sell it on eBay to make a buck to so he can be the cool kid in school. That's the kind of stories I want to see in the DCEU, where instead of these larger-than-life stories. Um, by the way, Chris, I actually got around to Aquaman. Hey, what'd you think? Uh, I gotta be honest, that movie is insane. Told you. That movie's insane. No, I didn't tell you, I just like, thought... Insane in a good way or insane in a bad way? insane in a great way like that that to me I there are times where I was like that doesn't make any sense and I like scoffed and I like that was stupid but then something would happen and I was like oh that's hilarious like how many times an explosion interrupts a conversation in that movie is hilarious like you could form a drinking game out of that and get pretty buzzed by the end of that movie like uh, how many not even 40 minutes in talking about Romulus I'm talking well, I'm just saying, like, that that stuff to me is really funny, but then, like, once you get to the end and you see that fight, like, massive amounts of people, like, not people, but, like, creatures are dying, it's it's insane. It's insane. That movie's insane. Um, if you take hallucinogenics, that is a hallucinogenic movie. Yeah. 100, like, in the way I, it looks. I, the is, best like, example, so honestly, Alex, the best example is, like, the Sicily fight. Where they're just sitting and they they, they they put the bottle in the thing and they look at it and just boom, right as they're about to kiss and it's just like oh my god this is great. <laughs> I uh, yeah I just thought it was funny because then like like Patrick Wilson is meeting the king and they're talking and then all of a sudden they get like their conversation is interrupted by an explosion and then they meet William Defoe later in the ship and then their conversations ex- there's another explosion and I was like this movie's crazy it also looks amazing it looks crazy. Like it, lo- like it doesn't look real, but it does look. It, it looks cinematic in a way that's just so like crazy to me. I thought it was crazy. Like I, I think it's really like, funny that instead of like naturally trying to find a way to move the story forward, they're just like, no, we're just gonna put an explosion. We're gonna force our characters out of this situation. Yeah, like Momoa is cool. I thought yeah. he was all right. Um, yeah. I thought it was funny because like in the middle of the movie, at some point, he, Amber Heard looks at him and she's like, "Here's my name," and it's like, weren't you? Didn't you know each other in, like, Justice League? Weren't you two, like, hanging out and stuff when that happened? Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, yeah, I just, I honestly think that movie was crazy. It's just a thing to look at. It was crazy. As a story, it was insane. The creatures were insane. The whole thing was just, that's a bonkers movie. That's a I, bonkers movie. And I, and I kind of want to see Shazam being that bonkers. I kind of want Shazam to kind of have that same kind of comedy a little bit, where it's this it's a little bit more of this ironic comedy, but I also want it to be like literally more com- like a real comedy too. No, I want I want Shazam to be like a comedy. I I liked the comedy in Aquaman because it just sort of I I couldn't tell what was a joke sometimes and what wasn't, and then I couldn't like every time something stupid in a way that made me feel like I was being insulted was backtracked by something that I thought was so 
dumb yes. worked. I was like, oh my god, is like, is that a giant octopus thing talking to him for no reason? Okay, cool, whatever. Like, is did did the bad guy just get accept? Like, do I have to care about this guy who just started a gigantic war that killed millions of creatures that didn't have to die? Like, he killed a king. He killed a king in front of his son. And I'm supposed to care about this guy? Like, no. What are you talking about, Luke? Bad movie. Slap you on the wrist, movie. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> I, I, but I still go with it because I find it so... Yeah. So I, buff. It, it's that kind of the reason that I kind of hope I love it, Shazam, because I kind of want them me to just kind of be like, okay, okay, this is cool. I, I'm just going to go with this. This, this. this is good. This is good. <laughs> I, I always liked the reading that people said Shazam was, like, big... But with superheroes, I like that idea where it's like a balance of a kid becoming this thing. Like, I want the grounded nature of a kid who looks at superheroes, but then I want his like I want the journey to be him clashing with the world of superheroes versus what his idea of it is, and the yeah. comic to just sort of be like balance between just comedy and the world that can, that the comedy can breathe from. But like, I mean, I think like one of the like based like, off one of my. Like, one of my favorite comedy pieces were in the trailer was when they're walking down the mall and he's just like, your phone's charged, your phone's charged, your phone's charged, hey! Sorry. <laughs> and it blows up, yeah. But yeah. I, I'm for Shazam 110% as a comedy, more than anything. I want it to be, I like the idea that the comedy can be bred from the world and the characters more than anything else. And it, it's like, That's, I, it's, I want that. I want it to be like Iron Man. Like, Iron Man doesn't have a lot of action in it. It's probably 25% of the movie and the rest is like, character-driven, world-built comedy yeah. driven by this very charming actor. I want that to be the case here with Shazam. I want all the yeah. to come from who he is, from what the world is, from what the characters come from. And then I want the like superhero stuff to just sort of be like part of it. It doesn't have to be the whole thing, but like give me a good character to care about. That was one of the, my biggest problems with the DCU to begin with, that I didn't like these people. I didn't care about the story. All the other technical aspects are there, but you have to get me to care about it. Like, yeah, the reason, like Aquaman seems... has a Zack Snyder movie while at the same time not being a Zack Snyder movie. That's what Sucker Punch should have been. Yeah. Like Sucker, like Aquaman is what Sucker Punch should have been. And that's kind of why I like that it seems like their villain for Shazam is a little bit of a smaller oh. character, uh, played by Mark Strong. It's not Black Adam. It's not. The Rock, who's got this big personality, huh. it's a small guy who's just <laughs> kind of like, I got fucked over, and I'm gonna be a bad guy because of that. And that's, yeah, I'm that. so excited to kind of see Asher Angel and Zachary Levi just kind of go up against this guy who's probably not that big of a deal, but you still get to have a lot of fun with it too, you know. And the, it, it can be a lot more fun in the idea that it's not this big, epic end-of-the-world story, it's this story about this dude who's coming into his power, and there's another dude who's jealous of this power, and they just get to have fun with it. Yeah, I kind of hope they give Mark Strong a character. That's the other thing. Like, make yeah. the villain somebody interesting. He doesn't have to be... Just make him interesting. Make him a person. Make him... I don't have to care. I don't have to, like, decide with his motives. I just want to understand them, and then also have him be a three-dimensional person. Yeah, it. that's all I kind of want. And from what the little blurb they've given us about his character, it, it it sounds like a lot of fun, and it seems like the villain's not gonna be necessarily, again, this big end-of-the-world style character that we've kind of 
been seeing almost every no I would even go as to say every single DCEU movie has been this character who's like I'm gonna end the world because you that's why and it seems yeah. to me Mark Strong's character isn't necessarily that it's more of a personal revenge story and that's fine because that's gonna make it all that much more fun it's gonna let Zachary Levi kind of I honest to God hope to God that there's a joke in Shazam that's like, isn't your goal to end the world? And he's just like, no! Why would I want to end the world? That would be great. That would be great! Because it would make fun of the fact that every DCEU villain wants to end the freaking world. And he doesn't. And that's fine. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. I, I really just want irony. I want, I want ironic humor all over the place. I want... No hold bar. We're gonna just make fun of the fact that DCU is nuts. <laughs> yeah, I'm excited. And if they do yeah. that, if they do that, Shazam's got is an A-OK movie as far as I'm concerned. Uh, any any more news for anyone? Not that I'm aware of. Chris, you got anything? Nah. I yeah. All right, plan freaking nine. Dear God. Okay, so, Chris, how would you, do you think that this movie is something that would be best watched again by yourself or with a group of people? Probably with a group of people. There you go. Not gonna, yeah, like I said, I, I fell asleep. <laughs> I was like, oh, whatever. So that's the main point. Like, a lot of these movies got to the point where they were is because people started playing them again in theaters for midnight crowds. Yeah. Like, I would wa- imagine watching Miami Connection in a theater with people who understand, like, now, imagine going to the Alamo Draft House in Woodbury and watching Miami Connection there with a group of people who know what they're getting into, like you. It would be amazing. Yeah. That's, that's, that's what these kinds of movies really are for, is really to, to experience in a group of people who know what's going on. And, that is half the fun of these movies. Like, do I think I would ever want to watch an Ed Wood movie on my own without a group of friends because we're purposely watching bad movies? No, I will never sit down and watch an Ed Wood movie because I want to sit down and watch an Ed Wood movie. No, I will sit down with an Ed Wood movie and five of my best friends pop a bunch of popcorn, know that's a shitty movie, and go watch it anyways. I have also done that. I have done both of those. That is exactly how I got to watching Plan 9 from Outer Space. Me and a group of five friends had a weekly night that we called Bad Movie Night. And we watched everything. I mean, it was it a bad movie? We watched it and we ripped into it. And you, sometimes we'd get and watch two movies. It was just kind of how it was. We Bad Movie Night was something that I enjoyed every week. It was how I watched Ed Wood. It's how I watched Glenn or Glenda. It's how I watched... Revenge of the Fallen. It's how I've watched many of the bad movies that we've watched here. Uh, <laughs> yeah, with, it's um, yeah. Okay, so Zach, what what uh, what do you want to go through about Edward in this movie in particular? As a person, or as an I, anything, anything you wanted to so say in general? I'm gonna start off by quoting my best friend from college in terms of this movie. And I'm going to read it directly from my Facebook because it is the great. 
greatest. There is a quote on my Facebook that says, Swedish wrestlers, I will never leave home without them. That's from Ed Wood? No, that's a reference to Ed Wood because he hired Tor Johnson to play the one of the zombies, Ian Plan 9 from Outer Space, was played by a Swedish wrestler who uh, basically walked around, slapped people on their shoulders, and they died. Yes, he was a very effective villain. <laughs> but, yeah, he was played by Swedish wrestler Tor Johnson, who um, was best known for, like, playing strongmen for many years in his life. And he was a random Swedish wrestler that, that Ed Wood met in a bar. That was it. <laughs> so. Ed Wood was a very crazy guy. Um, yeah. Why, why did she tell Chris about who he was as a person? So, Chris, Ed Wood is what we, what, what, what officially is, uh, many people call a cross-dresser. She was... Uh, of a gentleman who, who, as a child, very much enjoyed film. He loved Western serials and occult films, specifically the movies of Buck Jones and Bela Lugosi. Uh, and he had an, an, a very, very extensive collection that he got from picking up old film clips from theater trashes, and he would splice together his own films, which... You know, when you start to think about this, kind of starts to think about, kind of start to sound like the the story of any normal filmmaker. You know, a guy loved film so much, he idolized these people. He wanted to be these people, um, and that he loved that. And it's ironic because he was treated horribly as a child. His second, his mother cross dressed him because they they wanted uh, a daughter, not a son. And he became very infatuated with the feel of Angora, uh, which is like, isn't it like, 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 I don't even know what is, what, what is it exactly, Alex? I don't know. It's like, it's like fur, it's like fur coats. Um, and uh, eventually in 1942, he went to, in the uh, Marine Corps and he served in, uh, World War Two, where he was a combat medic? No, 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 no. Uh, what was he? I don't even remember what he was. Uh, he, he was afraid of combat, though, because he didn't want combat medics to find out that he was wearing a bra and panties under his uniform. Yeah, I do remember that. Edward was a psycho, man. Uh... Eventually, after he came back... Yeah, I, gotta, I gotta say, though, I don't think all cross-dressers are psychos. I just think... No, 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 but Ed Wood himself was a psycho. <laughs> the, fa- the fact that he would wear that at war is crazy. Yeah. Um, then he came back in 1947 after uh, the war, and he, uh, he moved to Hollywood, where he wrote scripts and TV and worked on TV pilots and kind of did a lot of the stuff that more normal people would do when they jumped into that and Hollywood was looking for anyone and everyone because a lot of a lot of directors and writers and producers went off to the war and died that that is just kind of part of how that was and uh, eventually he kind of went off and did that for a while you know it worked he uh, did casual company which is a play 
uh, derived from a book that he had written while in the Marines, and uh, it ain't do well. And then a few years later, he was introduced to Bela Lugosi, who played Dracula in, I believe, what, what was the year he played it? And it was, um, God, thirty six. Yes, he played Dracula in one of in one of the early Draculas. Uh, after thirty-six, I think. Whatever it is, it doesn't matter. Uh, he, who is his star, and him and his friend and Lugosi's son ended up. Uh, no, 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 no. Him, Lugosi, and a friend of his ended up forming a group of stuff, and he became very good friends. And at the time, Lugosi was having trouble getting roles because all he ever knew uh, all anyone ever associated with him was Dracula. People typecasted a lot in that era. Um, so yeah, and uh, he knew that Lugosi had depression and was addicted to booze and morphine and all kinds of other stuff. And it actually later came out that Lugosi's son felt like Ed Wood abused him, his father's stardom, and I don't, I don't know how much of that is true. I don't know... Uh, what's going on? But uh, eventually, he got hired by George Weiss, who uh, is a very famous producer who kind of did a lot with um, all kinds of stuff. I what 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 exactly did George Weiss really do? He he did like a lot of exploitation films, didn't he? Mostly, he was a good friend with George Corman. Yeah. Uh, to direct a film about um, I Changed My Sex, uh, which was based on uh, what was what was the documentary it was based on, or what the, the novel it was based on. Um, I, I can't remember. It was... I don't remember. Yeah. Oh, Christine Jorgensen. It was about sex reassignment, uh, Sergio, Christine Jorgensen. And he... Um, he got hired to write it because he convinced George Weiss to let him write it and said he was great and he had an actor. He had a, he had a big name actor and that big name actor was Bela Lugosi. And he ended up writing this film and it became known as Glenn or Glenda, which is his first semi-documentary film that he ended up making kind of his own personal project. Um, yeah, so... And then uh, he kind of went on to make a few other movies with his friends that also starred Bela Lugosi and some other stuff. And eventually, and then uh, right around the time of Bride of the Monster, which was 1955, he met Tor Johnson, who was his friend, uh, a friend of his. And yeah, and then that league brings us 1956 with Plan 9 from Outer Space. And Plan 9, which was originally titled Grey Robbers from Outer Space... Uh, was funded by the Catholic Church. <laughs> um, specifically, um, and I used this term earlier, uh, it uh, by televangelists, which are just hyper-Catholics who wanted to use television to, to spread Catholicism. But they didn't like the term grave robbers from outer space because they thought that was very anti-Christian, so... They forcibly had him change it to Plan 9, and yeah, it just, it was a mess of a movie, and they funded it, and when they found out exactly uh, who Ed Wood was, and that he was a cross-dresser, 
and he uh, and the movie wasn't quite what they had paid for. They pulled their funding, and he ended up getting um, what what's her name, uh, Vampira, to fund it from her TV show by having her star in it. And the cast was changed. And actually, right as they were filming this, uh, Bela Lugosi actually died, and they replaced him with uh, who they replaced him with. Uh, I believe it was was it Lyle Thomas? No, it was. Uh, uh, oh, it was Tom Manson. It was somebody's chiropractor. <laughs> yeah, someone's chiropractor came in, and that's why for the rest of the movie, Lugosi's character has has his cape up above his thing, so you couldn't tell who it was. <laughs> and it didn't He's considerably work. taller than him. Yeah. <laughs> So that's kind of the story of Ed Wood. Is he? He was a guy who somehow got everything funded, which would have never been funded. He uh, he died of alcoholism. A year yeah. later, alone in his house, but uh, he, he oh, his was there. I heard, but she was like also not really. Caring. I'm I'm pretty sure by that point he was alone, but at the same time, I. Uh, I don't know, from what I'm reading right now, it says uh, he was with his wife. They had been drinking vodka all weekend. He screamed out to his wife that he can't breathe, and she ignored him because she was tired of wood being a douche. And after hearing nothing for 20 minutes, she sent a friend to go check on him and found out he had died. (laughs) Wow. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. uh, That, That sounds like a combination of both his wife being there and being alone. Kind of, yeah. It's, it's, it's a bit of both. But, uh, yeah, they, uh, he died inebriated, and that was not okay. <laughs> um, and a problem. Yeah, but... Uh, not get to live to see the uh, fame he would receive years later. Yes. Uh, I don't think he would have let, lived to see it anyways, because he was born in 1924, and he probably would have died before his major resurgence out in the mid to early 2000s. But it was, it was the '80s, actually, when Plan Nine specifically kind of had a boost again as the worst movie ever made. When a guy who was very famous for doing like midnight movies came out and did a review on it, it was like this is oh, the right. worst movie ever made, and then it became like a, a big midnight movie thing in the '80s. Yeah, I I don't know. I don't necessarily know if he had if he would have actually ended up living to that, considering how he treated his body and how he. Oh yeah, no, very good point. Uh, and how he, uh, you know, how he, how depressed he was as a person because of the the panned reviews that he had been facing for years. Um, I, I I don't know. I, I it sucks that he died the way he did. And I I think at the end he didn't really care about the movies he had made. He was more worried about his writing career at that point. Um, and it's unfortunate because I think that he. Um, he has a permanent place in film now, and that, that that's kind of unfortunate. Um, he did get a... I think he really had a big resurgence, though, after um, after uh, Tim Burton's film came out. Yeah, that's... Uh, it's, that, the funny thing is, is that that probably is, and certainly is, in my opinion, Tim Burton's best movie, his biography on Edward. Yeah, also... Uh, his movie is The Bride of the Monster, Violent Years and Sinister Urges, was on Mystery Science Theater for years. I love MST3K. Yeah, and I think eventually uh, Mystery Science Theater ended up putting Plan 9 on, on the docket too at some point, right? 
the the old guys have already done it for riff tracks, but I don't know if they ever did it for MS. I don't know if they ever did it for Mystery. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, I know that eventually they did. Uh, it it was something that ended up they ended up do did doing at some point. Was they got that? Um, they got all his works actually, I believe. But uh, that that's not the point really. Uh, what I do know is that um. They have a lot of fun with that, and it's really great. And um, I think he really had the big resurgence when Tim Burton made the documentary on his life story. Well, not a documentary, the docudrama on his life story, starring Johnny Depp. Um, and that, that I think, really, 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 really brought Ed Wood kind of to the forefront of stuff. And Plan 9 really kind of came together, too. Yeah, I would say not only is Ed Wood probably Burton's best, I would also say that you can make a fair argument that it's Johnny Depp's best performance as well. Yes. Um, and, yeah. It's kind of ironic because I think when you compare the two movies about the two directors who have arguably made two of the worst films, which is uh, The Disaster Artist and Ed Wood, uh, <laughs> I actually think Ed Wood's many times better than The Disaster Artist. Oh, no, Edward's way better than The Disaster Artist, for sure. Uh, but just, The Disaster Artist is a lot of fun, too. Yeah. But just in look alone, like, Edward's beautiful. Yes, it's it's a very fun film. It really it really gives you an insight into who, um, who Edward was as a person, and it, yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the closest next closest Tim Burton movie that is purely critical and from the Academy standpoint is Sweeney Todd and that's a whole nother film but um yeah I mean it's interesting I it, it is very interesting <sighs> when was the last time you saw when was the last time you saw Edward me yeah oh a couple years ago I I I uh I I wanted to watch it for this, but I didn't quite find the time to do it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I I like Edward. It is such a good movie. I mean, I I Chris, honestly, if you want to watch like good cinema, really truly good cinema, watch Edward the movie. It's it's a good one. <laughs> I'll put it on the list. Yeah, it's it's a solid solid movie and. You really do get get to see one of Johnny Depp's best performances. Yeah, agreed. He's fantastic in it. And Martin Landau. Yeah, Martin. I forgot Martin Landau was in that. Sarah Jessica Parker was in it too. Oh my God! I'm trying to remember all the actors in that movie. Oh, that movie had a great cast. Yeah, Bill Murray. Yeah, and uh, Mike Starr. And Vincent D'Onofrio's in it. He plays Orson Welles at the very end. Yeah, no. Edward's great. Oh, my God. I just wrote... Oh, my God. That's awesome. Oh, my God. Sorry. I'm, like, geeking out over... So, it, so, so, so let, let's let's get into the actual, like, movie itself. Yes. <laughs> so, Chris, what, what would you say was probably the funniest thing for you? Like, the whole friggin' thing. It's all... I don't watch a lot of movies that 
are made before 1977, like when Star Wars came out. I don't watch a lot of those. Even I could tell that this whole freaking movie was so cheap and, like, just... It's made at $60,000. I mean... Adjust, adjust that for inflation to today's dollar and, like, it's... It's probably maybe about a million. It's yeah. not that much. So, Maybe a little like, bit less. it's just, it's so cheaply made, and, like, the, just everything, like, it all, the whole movie just kind of, like, melds together, because everything looks just so much the same, and, like, I can't even right now, it's just. What the hell did you make me watch? The best movie ever made. No, it was really not. It was movie. far from that. A really bad sci-fi movie. Let, let me ask you this, Chris. What did you take <laughs> from the story? There were aliens who were bringing, who were turning dead people into vampires, and people had to <laughs> stop it. And a random pilot. Um, like, and then, a, and then a colonel who shot at spaceships for three straight minutes. Um, it just, uh, that's all I remember. That's all I need to remember. And then the dude gets slapped in the shoulder and then he goes down unconscious. The, the wife keeps fainting. Um, people died off screen a lot. Like, literally a dude walked off frame and then he died. Um, just, that's right, Bella Lugosi walks off frame and then gets hit by a car. <laughs> he didn't even walk out to the street, he just walked to the, he just started walking to the other dude's lawn. Yeah, Plan 9's a mess. <laughs> yeah, the, the narration goes, he gets confused. And leaves his home, never to return again. I don't even remember the car sound effects. Whatever. Um, And then, like... The pilot breaks the alien's neck with his elbow, and so he goes down unconscious. That's the only reason I can think of, that he'd be down for so long. The woman is literally burning to death in smoke while their spaceship explodes, and then, like... Well, we just made alien enemies, so either we're going to kill ourselves, the aliens are going to kill us first. I don't know what the freaking point was, or what was trying to be said here. Just a complete, utter failure. Maybe it was funny. <laughs> no, it was not. It was freaking boring, and I didn't understand a freaking thing that was going on. I don't, I don't understand the decisions made at any point in this movie. From a technical standpoint or a narrative standpoint, no, that's not funny. I'm not laughing right now. This movie is just blah of just bad. It's just a blah of bad. Watching it again now, I really did enjoy how bad it was, though. I did not enjoy this movie as much as I did any of the other bad movies that we've done. It just has so many great lines. Like, I love when the ship is flying away in flames. And the, and the police, the general of all people is like, you know what? 
they really still are ahead of us. And then it cuts to the ship in flames flying away. The woman's like, get up, get up, get oh, no, up. I'm on fire. Like, this is hilarious. <laughs> The, the the irony of this movie is you can make so many jokes about it and it's like very quotable and it's like there's it's it's great. Oh god. Oh all I have to say one thing, one thing sure, Inspector Clay is dead. Murdered and someone's responsible. Yeah, how about when the cop is talking to his <laughs> the other cops about them, the guy just dying and he's like waving the gun around at himself and all his friends. You hear anything? Thought I did. Don't don't like hearing noises, especially when there ain't supposed to be any. Yeah, kind of spooky. Like maybe we're getting old. Well, whatever. It's gone now. Best thing for us to do. Two gone. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> the, the, the how many times there's like a scene where the camera cuts to somebody else, then cuts to somebody else, and then it's like one's during the daytime and one's during night. Yeah. Flying saucer. You mean the kind from up there? Yeah, either that or its counterpart. <laughs> what? And then it's in the shape of a cigar. Is what he described it as. It was yeah, like, what like cigar that. do you smoke that's round like a hamburger patty? Like, what cigar yeah. do you smoke? You guys got to get out more. Well, that's why you're a detective, Lieutenant. I'm still a, in a uniformed officer. Oh my god. I think this movie made Captain Marvel better on a third viewing. Third! So you're saying, you're saying this movie is so bad it makes other movies better? Yes. Is this the worst film we've ever showed you? Yes. Isn't that bad? It's worse than Transformers Revenge of the Fallen. It's worse than Food Fight. It just melds all together. I completely forget anything that's pretty much said, though I remember it all vividly. It's a terrible paradox, and it just it's cheap. It's terribly made. Didn't I didn't like it. Room? I didn't like it as much. I did not enjoy my experience. I was dead tired when I saw this, too. Did you watch The Room? No, because you said I, it was better suited if I saw it with friends. So no, I haven't seen it. I thought we saw it on this as part of this podcast. No, we did not. No. Um, so yeah, Chris, it just seems like you're the kind of guy who would probably get more out of these kinds of films if you were watching them with other people. But I would say The Room is very much like this. Very yes. much like this. For sure. Uh, I mean, I mean Chris, deep. what I think is like really fun is when you've actually studied a lot of film before the 1970s. Oh, now you're gonna now you're gonna go into this. Okay, okay, go I ahead. Am. Go ahead. Well, no, I don't think it's necessarily study. I just think the more films you see, the more you start to appreciate the decisions being made. It's like yeah. the more old the more old the films you get, the more you start to understand what makes it cheap. But at the end of the day, like no, it's just the more films you watch. Like if you watched a bunch of movies in one day, whether regardless of whether they were before this or not, and then ended on this. You would know this was a bad movie. You would just know the construction of it is bad. Um, and the more I watch it, the more I am enjoying the passion behind the people making it or the people who didn't want to do something or just how stupid they all felt it was. Like, this guy really wanted this to get made, and he somehow got all of his people to do it. And at the end of the day, I do find that a little bit 
intriguing the more I watch it. And it's the same thing with the room. The disaster is in the details. That's the point. It's not like the second Transformers film where like it's outright horrible nature is a little bit more apparent. Like this, yeah. this is a little bit more specific in how horrible it is and how hilariously bad it is. The other thing is that you can look at this movie and you can kind of you can kind of be a little inspired by the love of, and the drive that Ed Wood went through to make this movie. I mean, the man kind of went against all odds. I mean, everything was against him in this movie, and even every movie he made prior to this, and he still made it his own, and he really, really loved everything about it. And the cool thing is, is that people are still watching this movie to this day. I know people who have seen this movie more times than any other movie and they just love how silly this movie is. It's not a good movie. It's a very silly, weird, not something that people should enjoy. But it's so fun sometimes to sit and watch this movie and just make fun of how horrible it is. Yeah, I'd agree. But I feel bad. I, I feel bad that you just didn't all. I've had a lot of very unique cinema experiences in my time. I got, when I was in college... On Halloween, we'd always do a Rocky Horror Picture Show uh, thing where we'd all go to the movie theater, they'd play Rocky Horror, and then the people would dress up and they'd throw popcorn at the screen, they'd scream at the actors and all that. And going to a theater like this and having an experience like that where you just rip into people and be like, what the fuck did I just watch? Watch out, you know, he's going to get you, and then he gets you, and you're like, oh my god. You just you don't watch this movie because you you want to get something out of it. You watch this movie because it's just really fun. I mean, there's there's a difference between me and what makes this film work for most people. Yeah, I just love watching movies yeah. I, so much that I will spend the time watching a horribly bad movie if I feel like there's something interesting in how bad it is. That's why I love watching something like Love on a Leash, like Love on a Leash, or the, the the Neil Breen movies, they're like this. They're slow. And they're repetitive. And they're not great. They just are hilarious in how bad they are. And Ed Wood started it. So I would ask you this, Chris. How much of this do you think is because the movie is so old? Uh, none of that. Is that because really it's old? Is that because really it's we're watching like a 90s version of this where it was a story about aliens who come and like the the dead people are walking up and stuff like that but it was just a little bit better camera did and i had a little bit of color to it and the actors were people that you kind of recognized and there was some modern stuff to it that you would be able to get into it a little bit more alex the movie's terrible this movie is yeah i know that. i watched it freaking <laughs> terrible you could play that today and it would be terrible. No, I'm, I agree. The point is, is the investment that people have in its terrible nature. No. It's not because it's old. Period. It's the person behind it. Period. Not because it's old. Did I say it was because it was old? Well, you, you said earlier that maybe it's because it's an older film. No, I said maybe because it's an older film that I hadn't, like I said, I hadn't seen a lot of older films, and now you're coming at me for it. But, like, now, it's like, I don't know if it's because 
I don't really know what cheap looks like back then, but this movie looked cheap. Just because it was. Okay, then, so I'm not wrong. No, you're not wrong. Okay, yeah, that's what I was saying. You can, you can make a movie nowadays for a million dollars, and you can affect people with it. Like, there's a reason people still talk about Primer. You can make a cheap movie for thousands of dollars. It's the fact that his dream, his, his idea was epic in scale. That he did not have enough money for that dream. So he stretched that dream as thin as he could. To the point that he was borrowing friends from money. So it, while we are sitting here saying it's cheap, it wasn't cheap for the idea that he had. No. So that, that, was, that was kind of the point. That's what makes him who he is. Money was not a problem for him. He still effectively got it done. Like that, it is it is cheap for that day, but there are cheap movies around that time, Chris, that I love. There's there was a whole Italian um, minimalist movement um, that was happening around that time, like ten years earlier, and it was being done with less money, and it was still Italian uh, neo realism, right? Yeah, that in the French New Wave. There, there's a bunch of things that happen. I mean, don't don't even get me started about neo realism and French New Wave. They're all crazy people. But I love those movies. They, those movies inspired people like Tarantino and Spielberg and Scorsese. Yeah. They were made for less money and are more effective and still have better, better characters and stories and stuff like that. Like money is not necessarily the problem here. It was the yeah, problem. I mean, like the, the Four Hundred Blows is was made on probably less money, but is a million times better of a movie. And I I'm not a huge fan of the Four Hundred Blows, but Whatever. Uh, like I like it well enough, but like the the yeah, he just stretched what he had to make his dream come true. Mm-hmm. But his dream was like the scale of like Ready Player One in his mind. Yeah. But yeah, I, I it, it, this is what makes a good bad movie for a lot of people, Chris. It may not be as effective as the ones of today, like The Room or maybe a Neil Breen movie, but. He is the he is the definition. He is the person who defined the idea of watching someone's work exist for the sheer fact that they willed it to happen, regardless of whether it was good. And in fact, is adherently not. They willed it to happen, and that passion is just as entertaining as if the film itself was good. Yeah. Good God! What was that? No idea. But yeah. The, 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 the thing to look for in this movie, Chris, is how much passion the director had for okay. it. Okay. Okay. Hold on. You know, guys, I'm sorry I didn't like it. Okay? I just didn't. Oh, right? no. I didn't like You don't have to explain. Okay, I get it. Like, there was passion behind this. He got it made. Good for him. I didn't like it. Okay? Plain and simple. I'm not... Okay, got it. Okay, well, let's move on then. Screw it. Plain and simple. I just didn't right, like it. Let's just spin the wheel. Let's go. Just sloppy F minus. Sorry, sorry. I your time. Let's go. Sloppy F minus. I didn't like it. Just I, I understand that it got made. He got it made. You can't, like, a lot, like, you can't get that to happen most of the time. Like, yeah. how many other better movies got rejected and this one got made? 
you know. Like, at the end of the day, he was passionate enough to get it made the way he wanted it with what he had. Great. I mean, there's good yeah, for there's him. More, there's more truth than that. You got it. It's okay. Let's move on. Who cares? You hated it. Let's go. I did not like it. I get it. Let's go. All right, we're gonna skip Alex and Zach's grade because they don't want to give it anyway. It seems okay. So, all right. I didn't say I want to give it a grade. Give it a grade then. I mean, if we're gonna talk about it in terms of like quality of movie, it's absolutely an F minus. But if we're going to talk about it in terms of other bad movies, this movie is like an A-plus for a bad movie. Like, this movie is hilarious. It is so weird, so funny. There's so many things you can quote about this movie. You can you can laugh about the idea that he hired a random Swedish wrestler he made found in a bar because he needed one. Because he, he had to have them in a film. And, yeah, I mean, this movie's nuts. And I, I think that... That's great. <laughs> yeah, I like it more and more. I watch it um, yep. an F, but it's not uh, a bad experience. I think it's a good time to watch it. More power to you if you can stomach it. All right, let's spin the series wheel. Let's let's start a new adventure. Make it sound okay. like we're doing D&D, but we're not. Okay. Series are as follows on the wheel right now. <clears throat> Terminator. Mm-hmm. That includes what? Salvation and Genesis. Yep. Oh boy. Okay. Oh, geez. Screen timeout. Okay. Um, DC Extended Universe. So, Man of Steel to Aquaman. Mm-hmm. The Matrix, not the Animatrix. Mm-hmm. Indiana Jones. That includes yes, the first. That includes ones. the fourth one. Yeah. Okay, you don't have to get ahead of me, Zach. Please. The Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings, <laughs> theatrical versions. If we were doing the extended versions, we'd be here forever. Like we would age like, um, the villain from Last Crusade. Maybe I want to age the, the like the villain from Last Crusade. What makes you think I don't want to be dust and a skeleton? Well, you better let Thanos find all the uh, Infinity Stones, then. You're damn right! I'm about to go look at all of them! <laughs> Sorry. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, the bad ones. Yes, the bad ones. Everything after three. Um, Fast and Furious. That'd be a fun one, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Burton's Batman. Yes. So that would be uh, Michael Keaton's first Batman movie all the way to Batman and Robin. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be the last Batman movie that Pop Kane ever watched. Uh, the more I think about that, the more that breaks my heart. Um, because Batman Begins would be like what? 2005. Good God. No, 2004. 2005. Whatever. Mission Impossible. Yes, it's Chris's love fest. It's Alex's love fest. He loves Mission Impossible. Both your I just would. Lo- I would just love them. Mission Impossible. Yeah, they're good. Rocky. This includes Creed. And Creed, Creed too. <sighs> Sam Raimi Spider Man. 
Uh-huh. Not the Amazing Spider-Man, otherwise Alex would probably have a meltdown. That's okay, we get to watch Tobey Maguire be an emo kid for about ten minutes. <laughs> I, think, I remember when Spider-Verse did a reference to that. Anyway, um, Die Hard. Yep. Um, Evil Dead. The old ones. Yep. Um, Back to the Future. Yep. And uh, Rambo. This includes the fourth yep. one. Yep. Yes, there's a fourth one. <laughs> Daniel Craig's Bond. For, so, um, Casino Royale to Spectre. Yeah, you missed one. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. I said Casino Royale to Spectre. No, you missed something before you mentioned Daniel Craig's Bond. No, I said Rambo. Yes, there's something between Rambo and Daniel Craig's Bond. I'm looking at the list right now. There's nothing between Rambo and Daniel Craig's Bond. Mm, I don't know if I believe that. But all, all right, all right. We're, I'm approving it. To, I'm going to prove it to you. You just, okay. uh, you just killed two minutes of time. All right. Um, hold on. I'm gonna share this with the group to prove to you. Okay, send right there. Okay. I made the freaking list. I know. Okay, I looked at this twice in the last two weeks. All right, there it is, right there. Prove it. You changed the order. No, I didn't. What's yes, between did. Rambo and Craig, Daniel Craig's Bond? What's what's between what? it? Kung Fu Panda! Jesus Christ! <laughs> you changed the order? <laughs> Alex, I think I broke Chris. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Kung Fu Panda. I know that it's on there. I just I was waiting to see if you actually remembered this. Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. And Lethal Weapon. Yeah. Place it with. Um, Zach, you can only pick one. I know you have three, like on the docket, but you need I, to pick I'm one. Gonna go with the, I'm gonna go with the latter, the first one that I was talking about, the View Askins verse, and then we'll just cut Dogma from the good movie wheel. I'm sorry, I don't mean to correct you, Zach, um, on air, but it's the View Askew verse. Whatever. <laughs> Kevin Smith's <laughs> movie verse. Alex is so pissed at me. <laughs> The, the Kevin Smith uh, movie, or the, I guess the better term is the Jane Silent Bob movie universe. <laughs> Alex, that made you mad, didn't I? I'm sorry, man. <laughs> no, I, I was on mute for a second, but yeah, it's the View Skewverse, I guess. Kevin Smith. You can call it the Jane Silent Bob one if you want, but really, it's just Kevin Smith's movies up until, yep. like, Clerks 2. Uh, Clerks 2 is actually part of that. 
That's what I'm saying. Up until, like, Clerks 2, I don't think anything after that has really been in it. Except for, like, the new ones he's making now. Yeah, yeah, the Jay and Silent Bob reboot is the next one in it. Okay. So, yeah, I think it, I think it ends on Clerks 2. Yep, it ends on Clerks 2. Okay. Um, Alex, did you have one? Um... What was yours? I'm I'm still trying to think of what it was. I had a thought two weeks ago. Then, uh, if you can't remember what it was, I was thinking either Carnetto or before Trilogy, but I think uh, Carnetto would probably be good. The Carnetto Trilogy. What was it? I, I could have sworn I had a thought. I may be misremembering. I may I may have been mixing it up with a bad movie idea that I had. Anyway, um, damn. You know what? I think that was it. I think I was mixing up a bad idea movie, bad movie idea, with a series idea. So let me uh, stand by. What did I just do? Come back. Okay, here we go. So uh, the other the other I had in mind for fun, um, that would blend both bad and series wheel, um, Resident Evil. Oh, that may have been the one I was thinking of. I was thinking, wait a minute, it was a it was along the train of thought of Transformers. That actually may have been the one I was thinking of. I was like, why have we why haven't we like had like seizures watching um, Resident Evil yet? Oh god! I just know, I just know that they all have like <laughs> each film looks different. Does it though? Doesn't really connect with the one. There's like eight of them. There's eight Resident Evils. Yeah. They got eight made. I don't know if there's like eight. I'm just guessing, but at the same time, I do it's think five. Yeah, I think it would be hilarious that by the end of it, we would all just kind of go insane. Slowly. No, I would literally start foaming at the mouth, like at the la- at like the the last action scene or something. Uh, um. But I I I, I think like six. I think there's six movies made. You know yeah, what? Screw this... it. I'm gonna say Resident Evil. Let's do it. Okay. We'll do we'll do we'll do the we'll do the tri wheel spin. I think that would be funny. <laughs> oh, there's an ad! Okay. I don't like that. I don't like that that ad did that. I understand you're trying to make money, but buddy, you gotta give me something here. Okay, what am I saying? So, we on one hand, we have Jay and Silent Bob verse Um, okay. Had that. And then we had... What was your pick, Alex? The Cornetto Trilogy. Cornetto, right. Okay. Because Cornetto, we've had Cornetto. Yes. Cornetto Trilogy. Corento? No, Cornetto. Like corn. Like Jim Cornette. Cornetto um, Trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and then my, and then my adopted one, Resident Evil. 
Okay. So Jay and Silent Bob vs. Resident Evil and the Cornetto Trilogy. Here we go. Spinning. Yep. This is to decide what we replace the option with. Go. Spinning. Spinning. I think I know what it's going to be. And... Cornetto's going on the wheel. Woo! I keep pressing the wrong button. There we go. All right. Nice, Chris. So you haven't seen any of the three of these, correct? No, I have not. What What do you know about any of them? Um, Edgar Wright, Sean Pegg. That's pretty much all I know. Simon Pegg. Sorry, Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg. Jesus. Okay. Sean. Um, dude, Sean Penn. Oh, God. He is, uh, Chris, I just want to say, you are in for a treat on the first movie. Okay. I think you're in for a treat in all three of them. Well, three of them are like. I think he's going to be especially in for a treat on the first one. Well, Shaun they... of the Dead is one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, if you like horror, then yeah, it's really great. But also, I think if you like action movies, Hot Fuzz is great. But I also think if you love sci-fi, the third one's great. Like they're all three different. Uh, they're all th- they're all three like stone cold classics. All of them. All right. <laughs> We're gonna... There's a reason when I heard that Baby Driver was getting made, I freaked out. And it was because of this guy. Like, you haven't seen Scott Pilgrim vs. the World yet either, have you? No. I'm, I'm, I'm slowly you making only... my way to it. You've only seen Baby Driver is the point. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, like, he made these three movies and he made Scott Pilgrim and that's it. And those four movies alone, like, once I heard about Baby Driver, even the idea of it, I was like, done, sold, gotcha. Like, that's why I was excited in that theater... Period is it, I I'd seen his movies and I knew what he could do add music to the mix and like forget about him. Yeah. The other thing is that he's a very close friend of um, Ryan Johnson. Of course he is. Okay, are you guys ready? I'm about to do this. Well, he is because he starred in Last Jedi. He was in Last Jedi as a as a as an extra because of his friendship with Ryan Johnson. Yeah, so I wouldn't say he started it. Okay. He was, just, he was just in it. Yeah, he was in it. Alright, you guys ready? Because I'm about to spin this thing. Yeah, let's do it. Three, two, we're going on an adventure! Duck spinning. Tails. Spinning. No! Yes! 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 Rambo! Yes! Yes! It's Rambo! It's Rambo! It's Rambo! It's Rambo! Thank you, God! It's Rambo! It's Rambo, man! Yes! 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 It's Rambo! Yes! Yes! Sounds like you're going to my life. So I am very, um, I really know First Blood very well. I've seen it a lot. But uh, I have never seen the second or the third one. So the fourth one. I haven't seen a lot of scenes from the third one and I do think it's hilarious looking and I have seen Hot Shots Part 2 so I do know what I'm getting into on like a structural spoof level so I, I, there's a lot of the aesthetic of this movie that I'm very accustomed to but like I don't know them as holes very well and I've, and I've also never seen the fourth one and the only one I know about that is that it's gory so I was going to say, I've only seen First Blood, so I I don't 
really know much about this about this franchise. Oh, because man. again, I'm so hyped. It, it away from First Blood hard. That's what I know. It becomes something else entirely. Yeah, I know. Yeah, like, First Blood is, like, a classic, and then First Blood Part 2 is weird, what I heard, Rambo 3, I heard Rambo 3 is actually not that bad. Um, the, thing, the thing is, they're basically like Mad Max, like, the first Mad Max isn't really anything like any of the other ones, it's really this kind of character study of a guy who becomes Mad Max by the end of the movie, and it's sort of the same thing here with Rambo, it's really, like, First Blood is very sort of peace, like, not peaceful, but, like, uh, urethral. And he doesn't say much, and it sort of builds to him, him doing this thing. But it's also like, it's it's yeah. it's sardonic because like it it's making fun of like I don't know it it has something to say. There's a message about Vietnam vets coming home in that movie that's really sort of like told visually through it. Whereas by the second, the third, and the fourth movie, he's just a guy that kills people for money. Like he's a gun for hire. Yeah, and I know that there's a fifth movie coming out in this this fall, right? Yeah, he wears a cowboy hat. Oh my yeah. god! I don't know anything about this this last movie, but I know that like first one's really good. So first one oh. is really good, and I know that this, the third one is a lot of fun. And uh, yeah. I know the second one is shot by someone who is a really good cinematographer. Yeah, like I said, the only thing I've heard about this franchise is that first one's really good, and Rambo three is really good. That's it. Oh my. God, I'm so I happy. What? It's because I just said it. No, I mean, like, prior to you saying this. Like, I know, like, I've heard great things about Rambo 3, and I obviously also knew that First Blood was very good. Isn't yeah. the guy who shot Rambo 3 the guy who did Empire? The TV no. show? No, Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I don't know. One of those two movies, the second or the third one, has a has a cinematographer that's done a buttload of stuff. Yeah, I know that. Like he, the, I, I something like I heard that he was like the director or something. I don't know. Like I don't pay attention. Oh I know that God, like man. he he was like associated with Empire Strikes Back in some situation. I don't remember how. Yeah, it was the it was the eighties. The best of the best were working with each other, and by the second or third movie, Rambo was like a hit. He was making money. Yeah, I just don't. I can't remember. It, it doesn't matter. Uh, I know that he had a significant role to to do with Empire, and that's all I know about the third movie. And I know that it was like also very good. I am so stoked. Yes, yes, it finally went my way. The wheel has chosen me. I have been chosen. What was the last time you saw first blood? Me? He's probably, having a connection right now. Uh, probably in college, so four or five years now. Yes. And, and you guys haven't seen the second, third, or fourth. Oh, it's man. gonna be new to us, man. I've seen. I've seen. All of them, uh. multiple times. <laughs> this is gonna be. This is gonna end, either <laughs> Transformers wise, or this is gonna end like I expect Lead the Weapon to end. This is us having fun. <laughs> this is gonna no, go I, one of two yes, ways. I, 
completely like bury their initial theme in the ground as he just kind of turns into this violent animal. But yeah. like that doesn't mean they won't be fun. Right. Yeah. I can't wait. I cannot wait. We're gonna do first blood next week. I'm so stoked. I am so stoked. I'm so stoked. Rambo, guys. That's, we got four movies of sheer, of sheer unadulterated violence. I like how it's four movies, too. That's like the perfect amount. What? Oh, four like, movies. Yeah, it's like the perfect it's, amount. It's just short enough where, like, you don't feel like you've been on it forever. <coughs> while being long enough where you feel like you haven't spent any time on it. Yeah, I feel like, well, I feel like we'll go on a, I, I feel like with four movies, we'll, like, go on a journey, still, while at the same time, not treading too far from home. Yeah. I think, I mean, I just, one of these days, I just want Chris to sit down and, like, watch Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, because it is such a fun movie. But we're gonna watch First Blood. But Scott Pilgrim I'm assuming that, I, I'm assuming that once we get to the Carnetto, like, if you don't accidentally stumble upon... Scott Pilgrim, before we get there, that the Cornetto trilogy will probably get you to want to watch it in general. Or maybe watch Baby Driver again. I'm probably going to do that again soon in spring, because it's a really good spring yeah. movie. But, uh, I mean, I, yes, I'm really excited for Rambo, because, and there's someone else I know that's going to be excited that I'm going to watch these and may listen to it, because I, she's a big Rambo fan. This is going to be fun. Rambo. All I know is, I kind of, if once we if we ever get to the Cornetto trilogy, I want to rewatch Scott Pilgrim. And Captain Marvel, because Brie Larson's in Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, and that's awesome. Oh, that's right, she is! Jeez. Yeah, for like a little bit. She's only in for like... Yeah. We like had to... Also, uh, Anna Kendrick is in it for a, a second, and so is Audrey Plaza. <sighs> Wait a minute, Brie Larson is... doesn't play the girlfriend? Yeah, Mark Webber's in it, and Mary Elizabeth Winston's in it. And Chris Evans in it for a minute. Get it, you got IMDb. <laughs> yeah, but I also remember that uh, Chris Evans was one of the boyfriends, and that was hilarious. No, that cast is, like, amazing. But no, Chris, she is not She is not the main girlfriend. She is the ex-girlfriend. Oh. Yeah, she, okay. She's the one who's, he's, she's the one who's dating um, the guy that Brandon Routh is, uh, Brandon Routh's character. Do you know anything about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. I know it's a comic book movie based on an obscure comic book, or is it obscure? I'm not sure. Yes, but here's the here's the here's the joke of it is that the movie got made before the comic finished, and the comic finished in regards to the movie's ending. Wait. <laughs> Stop. Yes. We're I'm doing Rambo. You. Don't take this away from me, man. I'm for doing Rambo. I'm so oh no 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 no! You can have this. Yes. This is all yours. We're doing Rambo. We are going to talk about Scott Pilgrim with the world for a quick second. It's going to be a great month for Chris. Rambo. I'm looking forward to it. I've always wanted to watch the Rambo movies, and the only reason I haven't done it is because it's been on this wheel. So now the wheel's dictating that I start my spring by watching Rambo kill people, which is fine by me. Like, I like First Blood, and when I watched it, I always wanted to go to the other ones, and I just didn't have them available. Now I have no choice, but, like... I always loved the fact that, and I do think it's bad for the films, and ultimately bad for the character, and ultimately even worse for the first movie, that it just absolutely poops all over the theme of the Dude, first I didn't know that the guy who played the main villain, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World, co-wrote Isle of Dogs with Wes Anderson. 
Zach, you will not let it go. Hey, well, wait, wait a second. First of all, I have two points here. First of all, Zach, we're talking about something else entirely. What you doing? And then, second of all, how did you not know that Jason Schwartzman had anything to do with Isle of Dogs? Like he's been working with uh, Wes Anderson ever since Rushmore. He wrote um, the one where the three brothers were on the train too. I just didn't notice. I did that. Zach, Zach, open your fucking eyes when it comes to Wes Anderson. <laughs> if I hear that you drop the ball on Wes Anderson again, I'm going to go to your house. I'm going to find your family. I'm going to cut off their legs. I'm going to burn their house down and watch them drag themselves out of the house, dragging their bloody stuff to the left. Oh. I really hey. wish there was a way for me to cut By the that. way, Whole Nine Yards is a great movie, and I watched that recently, too. Bruce Willis and I mean, Matthew Perry. To really... To really set the tone of like what I've actually seen of Wes Anderson, it's only really like okay. Grand Budapest, Moonrise Kingdom, and Isle of Dogs. I'm not joking. Okay. I literally. Okay, okay, so. Go ahead, Alex. I was gonna say, actually side with you, Chris, but like I was gonna say, all you need to do is watch Rushmore. That's the next thing you need to watch. That's it. End of conversation. And then yes, go ahead, Chris. But like, yeah, no, just watch Rushmore. That's the next thing you need to watch. I okay. jumped. I okay when I. When it landed on Rambo, I jumped. I was jumping up and down. I, I literally got on my seat and jumped like I was rock, like I was freaking Rocky. I literally jumped up in the air, hands flying. I'm like, yes, the so wheel finally went my way, guys. We're gonna do something I want to do. So I know someone at my at my old cub job who literally watches all the Rambo movies like with her family, like it's a tradition with them. Is that what the same thing with you? Like your whole family loves Rambo? No, like so. Actually, it was a, actually. <laughs> I honestly think the fourth movie. We like okay, so like when I was a kid, like my dad was more lenient with me, uh, going into fifth grade on R-rated movies. So I think. I'm. T- I think Rambo 4, uh, title actually being just Rambo, was the first rated R movie I remember seeing. If not, it was Blade. I can't remember which one came first. Anyway, so like, so like, my dad's like, okay, maybe you should just watch all, you should just watch all of them if you like, if you really like Rambo so much. So like, and then I watched Ram, then I watched all the Rambos over and over again. Because those were the kind of kinds of movies I was into. I'm telling you, I'm an action adventure guy. I'm telling you. Oh man, we're doing right. Oh, I don't, I don't such doubt a that. Trip. It's just like I, I don't doubt that. I just find it interesting that there there are these people who have these like it's not it's not even just rainbow. It's just action movies. Like there's these families that have these action movies that they watch together. For now, for a lot of people, it's the Marvel movies. But like for a long time, like I would say for my family, we all kind of like got together and watched the Lethal Weapon movies every now and then they'd be on and we'd all just kind of like zone into them pretty easily and then other ones came along too but like there's people that I know that they're all about the Bonds whenever there's a Bond movie on they watch no matter what Mm. (sighs) I'm sweating well you know what The Matrix I'd say for my family The Matrix was a big one whenever The Matrix movies are on we all kind of like stop and watch especially the first one I'm not joking, I'm sweating. I'm Bill. totally sweating. <laughs> Man, we're doing Rambo. What was that, What was that, Chris? I'm sweating. We're going to do Rambo. <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'll, I'll just hate it and not want to talk about it, but I think we'll be fine. 
I don't know. I'm tempted to say I hate it and don't want to talk about it. <laughs> like I did today. Um. <laughs> yeah, you did today. Yeah, pretty, pretty odd that you just kind of shut up and stop talking about a movie on a movie podcast, but whatever. <laughs> I just let you guys go. <laughs> You're clearly more interested than I was, so I was going to be the bearer of bad news. Uh, Rambo. Uh, no, but yeah, I'm excited for Rambo. I've been waiting for this. Let's do in it. fact, I completely forgot you said it on the list when you were reading the list. And then when you said it, I was like, oh yeah, Rambo. Rambo. It finally went my way. Okay, we gotta get out of here, because I'm tired. Alright. <laughs> I gotta go to bed. I have to wake up in the morning. Okay, so, Rambo. <laughs> we're gonna do it. Um, so next week, we're gonna start with First Blood. So, uh, yep. let's do it, so... Yeah, Sylvester Stallone and Brian Danahy. Let's Indeed. do it, everybody. Good night, everyone. Say goodbye, guys. Night. Bye-bye.